understand because I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Well, one day I made Jesus my all and all, and from now on when I'm in trouble, only His name I'll call. But if I don't trust in him, I'll be less than a man. Oh, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Oh, Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Oh, the mountain is too high and the valley's too wide. Because I can't even walk. I said I can't even walk. Oh Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Hallelujah. 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 Let's have Brother Looper preach. Preach to us, Elvis. Praise the Lord. I feel that way today. I can't walk without the Lord holding my hand. How many feels that way today? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Lord bless you. You can be seated for a few moments. It's good to see everyone that's in the house of the Lord today. And uh, so good to see Brother Kurt and Stephanie, I think it is, here in the house of God today. And uh, good to see Miss Willis here today. Family back here on the back, glad they're here. Good to see Macy here today. And uh, everyone else that's in the house of God. And it's always good to be able to come to church and uh, to worship the Lord, to praise Him because He is worthy of all of our praise. Amen. God has been so good to us. And we owe Him so much more than we could ever repay. And uh, the way that we show our honor and respect and reverence to Him is coming to His house and to worship and praise and magnify Him. We do have prayer requests. We need to remember some that are in special need of prayer today. And uh, we need to pray for Sister Terry and uh, the baby that the Lord would help them and protect them. And uh, everything would be safe with them I believe uh, as of yesterday evening, I think today she's still in the hospital. So let's pray that the Lord would touch uh, her and the baby, help everything to be safe. And uh, we know a God that it can. And also Brother Gibson's brother passed away. That is Sister Melita's uh, dad's brother. And uh, let's pray for that family today. Let's pray for Sister McIntyre. Ask the Lord to touch her. Brother Pruitt pastors in Arkansas, and um, his grandbaby had a accident uh, this past week, fell down the steps, and uh, fractured his skull, and there was bleeding on the brain, and uh, they thought everything had gotten better, and uh, this morning he's having headaches and throwing up and some complications there, so let's pray that God would touch that baby. I think he's four years old, needs a miracle from God. And we know a God that is a miracle worker. Amen. We know a God that is able. 
Hallelujah. He's able to heal, deliver, and set free. So we want to remember those needs and uh, take them before the Lord in our prayer today. And along with Brother Cooper, it's also good to have uh, Troy and Tammy here. First time Troy's ever been to church. And uh, glad that he's here. And that is um, Sister Beverly's grandson. And... uh, and Johnny's grandson, and uh, Sister Looper's grandson, and so that make him my grandson. And uh, so we're glad that they're here. Thank God for a healthy baby, and everything went well with that, and uh, we are thankful for that. And I'm glad to be in church today. God, if you're looking for someone to complain about serving God... To tell you how bad it is, you come to the wrong place. Because God has sure been good to me. I find no fault in Him. Amen. I find no fault in serving Him. I find no fault in coming to the house of God and worshiping and praising Him. God's a good God. Hallelujah. And He is worthy of our very best praise. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. As you turn there, I want to remind you, don't forget, uh, Thanksgiving is right around the corner, and uh, turkey time is upon us again. I think turkey time happens three times a year, and we only get paid once a year for it. But uh, we want to remember that, be selling those, remind people that we will have them, and uh, so we'll be getting on that project very soon. Also, September the 23rd, that weekend... Sunday morning and Sunday night, Brother Cavanis uh, will be here preaching for us, and we're looking forward to that. And uh, he's been here years and years ago, but many years ago, long before my time here. And uh, so we're looking forward to that. That'll be September the 23rd. First Corinthians chapter number 4, verse number 1. The Bible says, Let a man so account of us. As of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the ministry of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's lift our hands and our voices toward heaven. And ask God to help us today. God, I pray for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I pray, God, for your leading and guiding and directing hand. I pray, Savior, that you would anoint me to preach your word like you would have me to today. I pray, God, that you would anoint the congregation today to hear, to receive, and to respond, to be a doer of the word. God, I pray it in the name of Jesus, without you. We are nothing. Come on, let's lift up our voices together right now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Lord bless you. You may be seated. It's also good to see Sister Steele and her daughter here again today. And uh, we are praying for them. The Bible says, let a man account of us. As of ministers of Christ and stewards of the ministry of God. And uh, the Bible then says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. 
I believe that this scripture is dealing a lot with ministry and those who are in the ministry. But I believe it to this point that all of us, all of us that are living for God and called of God has a work that God has called us to do. So I believe that it is very important in all of our lives that we as stewards be found faithful. I believe that faithfulness is of the utmost importance in anything that we would do. As I look into the Word of God and I find the Word of God that that tells us and instructs us about the infilling of the Holy Ghost and the necessity of the Holy Ghost, that there are some requirements that we as individuals must do if we ever are going to receive the Holy Ghost. Now, when you are, when you are seeking for the Holy Ghost and don't know anything about, a lot about, uh, church and the way that we do things, you find that Pentecostals are very excited. And, uh, of course you couldn't tell that this morning too much. But for the most part, we're, uh, very excited about what God is doing. And in our worship, uh, we, uh, demonstrate a lot of times on the outside what we are feeling on the inside. And so it gets a little bit, uh, when you are, when you're talking about what God has done and what God is doing and what you feel, it kind of, it's hard sometimes to hold it back and it's hard sometimes to control, uh, the feeling that you're feeling on the inside. It's kind of like the story that has been told multiple times about uh, the man sitting by the fire, and they were they were one guy was arguing with another about that the Holy Ghost is not real. He said he couldn't see it, he didn't hear it, and he didn't feel it. So naturally, he did not believe it. And so the guy was trying to describe to him about that time a coal popped out of the fire and went into the. Uh, the guy that was arguing with him's boot and he started hollering and jumping and screaming and, and dancing around the campfire. And the guy said, what's wrong with you? He said, there's a hot coal in my boot and he's screaming, trying to get off his boot. He said, well, I don't believe it. He said, I don't see it. I don't feel it. <clears throat> so I don't believe it. So it, to try to explain to someone really how it is and what it feels like, it's inexplainable. Amen. The Bible just said it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. But we find in seeking the Lord and for the Holy Ghost that there is some things that is required of us. And that is total surrender and submission of everything to God. That's the only way that you can receive the Holy Ghost. You've got to totally submit. And when you're up here praying for the Holy Ghost, you hear one that's saying, hold on, another that's saying, turn loose, another one that's saying, give up, another one saying, whatever you do, don't give up, another one saying, leap for joy, another one saying, run, another one saying, raise your hands, another one saying, clap your hands. They often say that when you learn how to do all of that at once, that's when you get the Holy Ghost. So it's, 
it can be complicated and confusing to those who who don't know a lot about the Holy Ghost. To us, it's been born and raised in this. It's just, it's just, we know what's going on. And uh, so I've often wondered what it would be like for someone coming in off the street that's never been to an apostolic church to come in to a Sunday night service when everybody's getting a little wild and rowdy and what their, uh, their thought process might be. I would say it would probably be like this. It would be like me walking into a bar and looking around. The first thought that I would have is these people's crazy. I'm sure that's the first thought that they have is these people's crazy. But there's something about when you feel the power of God. There's a connection that goes on there and you feel that something is real. But but really to get the Holy Ghost, this is what you have to do is total surrender to God. You have to totally commit to God. It's not a half-hearted thing that we do. It's not something that you can do passively, but it's something that you have to do passionately. It's something that you have to make up in your mind that nothing else in the world is more important to you than what you are trying to receive from God. It is surrender. Our relationship with God, I think, uh, a husband and wife relationship, and that is uh, one man and one woman. <laughs> That's still the way that it is. Boy, I, I'm having trouble getting any of you to say amen this morning. Y'all do still believe that, don't you? Okay. All right. Let's, uh, we're, we're all on the same page on that, I hope. But <clears throat> anyway, so it, it mirrors a relationship with a man and a woman that that in a marriage and uh, I, I believe that that a wedding ceremony is a lot like a funeral. Somebody said, well, why do you say that, that it's a lot like a funeral? Somebody better die. <laughs> if somebody don't die, it's never going to work. There's, you've got to totally sell out. You've got to totally commit. It's a lifelong commitment that you make to faithfulness and dedication to one another. And that's the only way that it will work. You can't half-heartedly be married. You can't half-heartedly have a good relationship with one another. Either you're committed or you're, you're going to be single. Even, either you're ready to commit. Let me tell you all you young ones that think you might want to get married. And uh, let me tell you, you've got to commit or you better stay single. You've got to totally sell out and have no second thoughts or you better stay the way you are. i got some saying they're going to stay the way they are. That's a good thing because there's tragedy that comes. So, so you're looking at, I'm, I'm gonna probably with your attitude and the way that you kind of relax this morning, I'm gonna relax and talk to you a little bit. And so, uh, I, I, there has to be a, a commitment. There has to be a surrender to ever get us to where we want to be with God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present 
your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Amen. So that is a, that is not a suggestion of the writer. That is what he tells us that we must do. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, in other words, I strongly command you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, and this is only your reasonable service. See, a lot of people get God confused that God is expecting something out of us that far exceeds our abilities and what we are able to do. That's so false. God expects nothing out of us but what we can give God. God expects, now let me say this following that, God expects nothing out of us but our very best. You cannot serve God half-heartedly. You cannot serve God for the fishes and the loaves. You cannot serve God for the sunshine alone. Because we know that life is a journey of ups and downs. But the only way that you can serve God is a total committed life to Him. That no matter what happens, no matter what comes... No matter what goes, I am forever committed and dedicated to Jesus Christ. Faithfulness is something that is a must in our relationship with God. It is no, it is, it is too, uh, it is not too great of a thing for God to ask us to be a living sacrifice unto Him. That's not a great thing for God to ask of us. When you picture what Calvary is and what Jesus Christ went through on Calvary's cross, who did He do that for? He did it for you. He did it for me. He did it for the sins of the entire world. And all that He asked us in return is to be a living. He does not command us to die for Him. He just asks us to live for Him. He does not ask us to do something unreasonable for Him. He asks us to do something that is very simple. And that is just be faithfully committed to Him. Now, I don't think there's any man or any woman in this place today that would tolerate your husband or your wife having some sweethearts on the side. If you are, you are a mixed up individual. Amen. Neither does God want us slipping around on the side, flirting with the adversary that is trying to destroy us and ruin and wreck and deceive us. God wants us to be totally committed and sold out to Him. I think of the rich young ruler. The Bible does not give him a name, which I think is very interesting. And on that, that note, this, this makes me wonder what we would have known about this man if he had made a different decision in his life. But because of the decision that this rich young ruler made, 
That's the only thing that we know him by is he was the rich young ruler. We did not know his name. We did not know his pedigree. We don't know where he came from, where he wound up at. We don't know whatever happened to him, but we don't know if he ever came back at a later date. We don't have any indication that he did. We don't know anything about him, but he was a rich young ruler. He was, he was no doubt well educated. No doubt he'd come from a prominent family. No doubt he had a lot of things in this world that would make him happy. But we find him coming to Jesus and saying, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus is teaching and in the midst of his teaching, he turns and he says, keep my commandments. This guy was straight up. He was a good man. You know what his commandments is? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not steal. All of these things, and some of these were mentioned. And this rich young ruler said, All of these things I have kept from my youth up. And Jesus is teaching. And he said, One thing thou lackest. One thing. Well, if it's only one thing, that's surely not a hard thing. That I've done all of these things. This should. But Jesus knew that his heart was not in what he was doing. This is a question I ask you today. Your relationship with God. Sometimes I fear that our church going and our walk with God. And everybody knows that Pentecostals live a separate lifestyle than the world. This all becomes a way of life. And it's not a way of dedication and commitment to God. Now I like the way I live. I have no, I have no problems in the way that I live. I'm doing exactly what I want to do. I don't know of anything that I want to do that I don't do. Just really. I'm just living life, having a good time. This is all I've ever known. This is all, this is the way that I've been raised. And if it's not very careful, it becomes very scary because our separation becomes a way of life. Our commitment to God becomes a way of life. Our faithfulness to the house of God just becomes a way of life. And somewhere in this, we lose a relationship with God. That is what has happened to this rich young ruler. That it became a way of life of just separating himself from the world. But there was things that he had and that he possessed that he loved more than he loved God. And so when Jesus says, go sell all that thou hast and give to the poor. I don't believe it was the wealth that was the problem here. I don't believe it was these things that was causing the problem. It was not the money, but it was the love of money. The Bible does not say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. It says that you cannot serve. A lot of people say God and money. It does not say that. It's mammon. It means talking about mankind. You cannot be a slave to two masters. You're going to love one or hate the other. And that's what the devil does. He does not come in trying to destroy our faith in God. He comes in trying to destroy our relationship with God. That it becomes just a way of life. 
Amen. Now I don't want to, I don't want to fault other people, but, but brother, uh, brother Stoltz, who's was, uh, before he, he, uh, come to know the Lord that he was raised, um, what do they call those people? Amish. That's the way that he was raised. He was brought up. I asked him, I said, I said, well, what, what did y'all do far as religion? I've always thought it was about religion. He said, well, said, really, it's not about religion. It's just about a way of life. We just live that way. It's not a lot about church. It's not a lot about God. And if we are not very careful as separate from the world, we become like this. It's not a lot about God. It's just about a lot about the way that we live. But I want to tell you, as much as I think us coming out from the world and being separate is very important with us and of high necessity to us, our relationship with God must always stay intact that we are faithful to Him. Amen. Rich young ruler, what do things mean to you? Now, I want to ask you the question today. This is a good way to raise your family. We teach them to keep their self pure unto marriage. We teach them to abstain from alcohol and cigarettes and drugs and things that would destroy. We teach them to get a good job. We teach them to provide we teach them to just don't go out and carouse around and be a rebel rouser and riding in the street. We teach them that that's a good way to live. But that's not the only thing there is. First of all, there has to be a dedication and a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. If not, it becomes following rules, guides, and restrictions. And it's not about that. It's about following Him and being what God wants us to be. Amen. What do things mean to you? The rich young ruler had many things. He had his hands in many different activities. And we know the Bible tells us that when he heard this saying, he did not question Jesus. He did not talk to him. He did not offer to make any changes. The Bible said that he turned and went away sorrowfully because he had great possessions. This does not mean that what he had was wrong. It meant that he was more dedicated to this than he was to God. He was more interested in his career than he was his relationship with God. What do things mean to you? What does your family mean to you? These are things, I'm just going to mention a few things that we hold very dear and should. What does your family mean to you? I tell you what, I wouldn't want to live without my family. I love my family. They mean everything in this world to me. But what does it mean to you? What does your job mean to you? What does it mean to you? I think it's very necessary that that every... Man have one. And every young man have one. Amen. What does your cars and homes and possession mean to you? What, what level does these things play in your life? And then I want to ask you, when you take these things in consideration, what does God, the church, 
convictions and truth mean to you. Now, you won't know what a lot of things mean to you until you've been put under pressure. And I've heard people that say, oh, man, I tell you, some believe that you're going through tribulation. Some believe that we're going to be raptured out before tribulation. Some believe that you're going to be raptured in the middle of tribulation. I believe that the church will face tribulation, but I hope that I'm wrong. Amen. But no matter what it is, I've heard people say, oh, I'll tell you what, they couldn't keep me out of church. They couldn't lock the doors and keep me out. I'm going to go to church. And then you let them stub their toe and they don't show up for church. You don't know, and I understand this, a lot of people don't know the passion and desire and the determination that they have inside of them until it's put to the test. But I want to tell you, if church and God and your convictions and truth don't mean everything to you now, they never will mean everything to you. Amen. If we're not willing to be faithful to God and we're not willing to be committed to God and dedicated to God, if we cannot live for God in the green tree of life as we are living in now, how will we do it when the leaves fall off of the tree? If we can't run with the footmen, how can we run with the horses? If we can't show our dedication to God and our trust in God and our faithfulness to God and our commitment to God now, what will we do then? Because there is coming a reckoning day. The devil has a device and a trap for everyone. He's just determining, trying to determine what your price is going to be. What will you sell out for? What will you throw in the towel for? What will you give up God for? Is there any negotiating in you? Amen. If there's ever a time where we as individuals and saints of God need to make up in our mind, there is no negotiating when it comes to truth. There is no negotiating when it comes to my dedication to God. There is no negotiating when it comes to my surrender and my love for Jesus. Jesus Christ. How committed are you to what you believe? Does the Supreme Court change the way that you believe? Does society change the way that you believe? There's some things that we need to take into consideration today. Does the world's acceptance in what is going on in society change the way that we believe? The day is coming when we will all be tested. When church no longer means everything and our faithfulness to the house of God no longer means everything. We must be faithful to God on Sunday and on whatever the weekday service is. We must be totally sold out because, you see, the devil's not loosening up. The devil's not getting easier. The devil's not getting passive about what he's doing. But our desire and our hunger and our determination and our faithfulness sometimes is getting a a little lack in our walk with God, in our dedication to God. We, as the church, need to stand up and realize God is demanding. He's not asking, but He is demanding our faithfulness to Him. That a man be found faithful. 
that a man be found faithful. I think that when they stand before you on that last service that you will make your way to, some of the greatest things that they can say about you, that you were found faithful. Amen. You were faithful to your job. You were faithful to your family. You were faithful to your wife. But most of all, you were faithful to your God. That's what I want to be able to be said about me. It doesn't matter about bank accounts. It does not matter about lifestyle. It does not matter about all the things that you've accomplished in life. But it's what kind of faithful man or woman were you? How did you live your life? When Jesus called on you to be faithful, did you turn around and walk away sharply because you had great possession and great pools of other activities in your life? Or did you turn to God and say, good master, whatever I have to do, I want to be what you have called me and what you desire me to be. Amen. How is we as saints of God? Now I look at the denominal world today and Instead of putting more services in, it seems that we are cutting services out because people seem to be too busy. I guess the devil's got a little lax and not, not chasing us as much as he did. But we hear, we hear, you know, we'll say, we're not stopping Sunday night church. And everybody, yeah, we're not stopping Sunday night church. Even some of those who do not show up. We're not going to quit Wednesday night Bible study. No, we're not going to quit Wednesday night Bible study. But we miss Wednesday night Bible study. And if I stopped those services, some of you would get very angry, and rightfully so. But some of you that can't even make it would be the ones that's so angry about it. Well, they need to be going to church. What about you? Where is your faithfulness and dedication to God? And this is what I want to tell you today. And this is what I want to deliver to you today. If you're not faithful, the the, the common sense tells us and history tells us that whatever we allow and whatever we do, our children will do in excess of it. So you say, well, I'm going to cut out one service. That means your children's going to cut out at least two services. Well, praise God. The longer I go, the quieter it gets. That's amazing. Normally, y'all getting louder as I go. But anyway, I guess I'm kind of hitting home a little bit. But I'm telling you what I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart for this service this morning. Our faithfulness. Where has it went to? Where has it gone? What what has become of our dedication and love for God? When you first got the Holy Ghost, you would not miss. When God first pulled you out of the world of sin, you would not even think about it. But I want to tell you, the devil knows that there's strength in the house of God. Well, I can pray at home. Yeah, you can pray at home. But the Bible still tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is, as we see that day approaching. 
Amen. As that day, the coming of the Lord approaching, we need to be more faithful to the house of God. We find that when the apostle Peter was was thrown in prison, that prayer was made of the church unto God to him. They didn't all pray individually at a different place, but they all got together and sought the face of God. There's still power in numbers. There's still victory in numbers. There's still joy in numbers. There's still help in numbers. And when we gather together to worship and to praise God, God hears and answers our prayer when we are in the house of the Lord. Amen. Faithfulness is something that there cannot be a price put on. When I think about faithfulness, my mind goes to some stories that I've read about the faithfulness of animals to owners. I can remember one time I walked through the house and Terry loves to read and she's always got a book. She'll walk through the house with her nose in the book. Walking up and down the stairs, sitting, got books all over her room. And I walked by one day and I seen her reading Old Yeller. And I said, how you like that book? Man, this is a great book. I said, it's going to make you cry. She said, oh man, it's exciting. It's good. I'm enjoying this. I said, yeah, but it's going to make you cry. She said, oh no, it's a good book. I come back some time later, and I looked as I walked by, and she I said, I told you it's going to make you cry. But we look at the stories of faithfulness of animals to their owners. Bobby the Collie got lost on a family vacation in Illinois in 1926. Bobby was gone for just over six months. When he suddenly turned up at the family's home in Silverton, Oregon. Many miles. I forget how many miles they said that this dog had traveled to get back to his owner. The loyalty of another canine friend said every day his friend, his, his master got killed one day while there was a bomb going on and said every day, just as he was trained to do, he would walk to the train station and wait on his master to show up. After the death of his master, this dog friend went to the train station for nine years and nine months at the precise time that his master would come home from work just to see if he would show up. Not being able to be told that he's not coming back. But that is true faithfulness. The death of Miguel Guzman of Argentina in 2006 eventually hit his loyal dog. Evidently hit his loyal dog the most. On learning about his master's death, Captain ran away from his home. And when the rest of the family started searching for the dog, they were startled to see that Captain was guarding the grave of Guzman. He had located the cemetery on his own. And as of the year 2015, Captain continued to stay by his master's side. 
That's from 2006 to this story was written in 2015. They would take food and feed him because he refused to leave. Amen. This Italian street dog garnered wide public attention for his demonstration of unwavering devotion and loyalty for his deceased master. On December the 30th, 1943, the Second World War, this man was killed. The same evening, Fido, as usual, went to the bus stop awaiting his master's arrival from work. Not knowing, uh, not spotting the master get off of the bus, Fido went back home disheartened, but his hope did not die out. Because from that day on, he visited the bus stop day after day for 14 years, hoping to see his master that would never show up, get off of the train, and he eventually died later on. Amen. That is faithfulness. If a dog can be that faithful to his owner and to his master, how much more should the children of God be faithful to one who went up Calvary's hill and stretched his arms out wide and gave his life for us. Amen. I want to tell you today that God has done more for me than anybody else in this world. Nobody's blessed me like he's blessed me. Nobody's healed me like he's healed me. Nobody's given to me like he's given to me. I find it easy serving him. Amen. It's not difficult at all. And the devil will try to make you think, oh, it's too difficult to ask. It's too difficult to serve God. It's too difficult to live for God. It's too difficult to separate yourself to God. It's too difficult to get up on Sunday morning and go to church. It's too difficult to get up and pray. It's too difficult to be faithful to God on Wednesday. You're tired. You've been working all week. Amen. It's too difficult to go to church on Sunday night. But when I think of the faithfulness of God and the commitment that God has made to me, that He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But I'll go with you all the way, even unto the end of the world. Amen. I find it very easy and very simple of living for God and being faithful to Him. As they get ready to come to the music this morning, I'm almost done. But my mind goes back, and Brother Duplissy had mentioned this last Sunday in preaching. My mind goes back to one called Ruth. Amen. She was born and raised in a heathen country. And she came to know her mother-in-law married this young man, and he died. The father-in-law died. The brother-in-law died. She had no connection to Naomi. But when Naomi got ready to go, she said, wherever you go, that's where I'm going. You've been good to me. You've been faithful to me. You've been dedicated to me. Your people's going to be my people. Your God is going to be my God. Wherever you stay, that's where I'm going to stay. Amen. And when I think about God and His mercy and His grace and His long-suffering to me, Amen. I, wherever He goes, that's where I'm going to go. 
know, uh, amen, his, his ways are going to be my ways. Uh, his desire is my desire. Why? Because I've got a faithful master. It is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. You that are under the sound of my voice this morning, the devil is warring against your mind, against your time, against your dedication, saying it's too difficult, it's too hard. Not now, some other time, maybe another time, maybe another place, maybe another day. But I want to ask you when you think about how good God has been. When you think about how good God has been, how can I stay in a house that God gave to me? And not be faithful to Him. How can I walk around in a healthy body that God gave to me and not be faithful to Him? Amen. It's kind of like the old man. The song goes on to say that they got, they got upset because the man was causing a commotion in the church. That he wanted to shout and he wanted to sing and he wanted to worship. They was trying to stop him, so they sent some of the elders of the church out to his farm. The man was out there plowing, and he said, you know, you're making too much of a commotion in church. You're, you're, you're causing a scene in church. You're getting too loud in church. You're shouting too much in church. We're trying to be dignified. We're trying to be accepted by everybody else. And he said, well, he said, you see, you see that house there? He said, God gave it to me. He said, you see this farm that I'm farming? This ground that I'm plowing? He said, God gave it to me. He said, you see these old mules here that God has blessed me with? He said, you didn't give it to me. God gave it to me. These clothes that I got on, amen, you didn't do it for me, but God did it for me. Now I just want to tell you one thing. If I'm getting too loud in your church, if I'm causing too much of a scene in your church, why don't you just hold the mules here? Why go ahead and give God some praise and give God some glory? I come to tell somebody, don't let the devil steal your faithfulness and your commitment to Him. He's been too good. He's been too good. He's been too good. He's been too good. He's done too much for us. Amen. He's blessed us too much to stop now. We come to church in a hurry. And we want to leave in a hurry. We come to church running late. But we're never late leaving. How good has God been to you today? Oh, how good has God been to you today? I find it easy loving Him. I find it easy serving Him. 
I find it easy being faithful to Him. I find it easy talking to Him. I find it easy lifting my hands to Him. I find it easy lifting my voice to Him. He's a good God. He's a worthy God. He's a mighty God. He's a great God. He's a merciful God. He's a long-suffering God. So I'm going to keep on being faithful. I'm going to keep on being dedicated. I'm going to keep on being committed to Him. Let's all stand and lift our hands toward heaven right now. Come on, let's lift our voice toward heaven right now. Come on, somebody lift your voice toward heaven right now. Somebody in this house needs to let God talk to them this morning. You need to let God visit with your heart. You need to open up your mind. You need to open up your heart. You need to open up your spirit. Here I am, God, talk to me. Here I am, God, visit with me. Here I am, God, I've got time for you because you've always had time for me. You've always been there for me. You've always been faithful to me, God. Fourteen years going back to the same old place where he had last seen his master. Waiting at the same old train station over and over and over again for somebody that was not coming back. Somebody that was long gone. Somebody that could not do anything for him. And that the devil wants to tell you, why be faithful to God? Many years now, I think almost 27 years I've been coming to the same church. Praising the same God. Same location. But you know I have this reassurance, I'm not praising somebody that's not coming back. I'm not praising somebody that's left forever and not coming back. But when the disciples were standing there gazing up into heaven, the angel of the Lord said, Why? Why are you gazing at this same Jesus? He might have left the train station over 2,000 years ago. But one of these days, if I just keep coming back to the house of God, if I keep staying faithful to Him, if I keep praying, if I keep dedicating to Him, if I keep coming to His house, I'm going to hear Him say, Well done. Enter in. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got a reason to praise Him. I got a reason to shout. I got a reason to worship Him. He's coming back. He's coming back. Somebody say it. He's coming back. He's coming back for a church. He's coming back for a church. He's coming back for a people.
Oh, he might be gone, but keep on going to the house of God. He might have left, but he's coming back. Keep going to the train station. Keep waiting. He's coming. Why don't everybody today step out from where you're standing? Make your way to this front. Let God talk to you today. Let God help you in this house this morning. That some way, somehow, God could stir up that faithfulness and that dedication in your heart and in your spirit today. If you don't know Him and the power of the Holy Ghost, let me tell you, there's nothing like repentance. The Bible said when they stood up and they asked, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter stood up with the rest of the apostles and said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It still works today. For that promise is unto you and to your children and all that are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. He's still calling. He's still reaching. He's still crying out. His mercy is in the house today. Oh, why don't you fall in love with Him all over again? Why don't you rededicate and consecrate your life to Him again? It's still the best thing. Oh, it's still the best thing that I've ever done is falling in love with Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody give Him some praise today. It's still the best thing that I've ever done is falling in love with Him. Hallelujah. Oh, He's a good God. He's a good God. He's a good God. Why don't somebody surrender to Him this morning? Why don't somebody say yes to His will? Why don't you say yes to His way? To be what you want me to be, God. Oh, that's what I want to be, Lord. That's what I want to be, Lord. I say it.